On episode 93 of the View from Jamestown podcast edition, we have our very special guest, Kathy Hall, come on for her quarter three 2023 update. We summarize what happened last quarter and give an outlook for Q3 and the rest of the year. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the View from Jamestown podcast edition. This is episode 93, and we have our very special, very regular now guest, Kathy Hall, joining us for our uh, Q3 2023 episode. Good uh, morning, Kathy. It's still, still morning here. Yeah, good morning. And um, I know last time I was up by you, I said, I can't wait to come back in July. So I'm very grateful that you're accommodating me by letting me broadcast live from New Jersey, where it's about a thousand degrees. Yep. Might be the same for you. So we're all indoors. <laughs> I think it's our first virtual recording. You got that that new mic set up over there, so we're, you know, we yes. have, we got the podcast, the the New Jersey Mobile Podcast Studio over there. Why, thank you. So, uh, well, let me start by asking you, how has your quarter been? And I'll tell you why I asked because I had the good fortune to attend the uh, the EPL conference in Rotterdam a few weeks ago, and. The topic of conversation, no matter what direction it was going, was what did you hear at AFPM and what are you hearing now? And that really bookends the quarter for us. So, you know, I'll tell you what I've heard from people, but for for you, your customers, your suppliers, have those comments moderated or changed at all from AFPM at the end of March to really right about now? I feel like it's been a lot of the same sorts of conversations. People are trying to be optimistic and the time frame for the optimism maybe keeps getting pushed out. You know, I know when we were talking around Christmas time, everyone was optimistic about Q1, Q2. And then now it's some, you know, maybe by the end of the year or now people, I think, are starting to talk about the early part of 2024. Um, but, you know, people are trying to be optimistic, I think. Um, we, we have seen an uptick, I think, in R&D efforts and folks really not, not only just qualifying material because they need to because their supplier is not producing as we saw kind of really during COVID, but people are really looking at samples and R&D and new products for the value of the product itself or trying to make a better product, trying to use better raw materials. So that's been something we haven't seen in in quite a while. Um, You know, business is certainly slow, sales, pounds sold, all that good stuff is things are certainly a bit down um, as I'm sure everyone can kind of tell the same story. but I, th- I think people are optimistic, which is, I think, important when stuff kind of slows down. And I think we started to hear, you know, some of these indicators and raw material prices and, th- and things like that are starting to maybe trend back up a little bit. So maybe people think we've sort of reached the bottom and, and you know, that optimism for the later part of this year or the early part of next year will come true, you know, hopefully. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you mention R&D because when we're talking about different company earnings that price of the commodities and and how it affects, you know, the bottom line is one thing, but for a lot of companies, they're not, they're not wavering from their commitments to sustainability, for example. So that spend continues, you know, so that a lot of those companies, you'll see that spend was identical quarter over quarter because this is set amount for whatever amount of time in order to reach the commitment on time. So the really, you know, the only recourse you've got then to cut your costs are to cut jobs, you know, and and in some instances, we've seen that progression where you see an earnings preview saying, you know, things are looking this way. And then 
come to find out what's uh, what's ahead is some job cuts in the in the short term at least, but no significant reductions in spending on sustainability goals. And, and so I, I think that's an interesting thing because it is a longer term thing that you know, but in the shorter term, the um, the commodities markets by and large are not doing any of these companies, uh, you know, any favors right now. I feel as though at at AFPM, which was at the end of the first quarter, the first quarter, uh, certainly for a lot of commodities, saw a bounce back. And the caution was maybe this is an inventory restocking, but maybe this is the beginning of, you know, a good demand wave that'll carry us into the third quarter. And I feel as though the conversations I've had, especially in June, especially in Europe, were not, it it was uh, cognizant that there was no demand coming in to to save the day in terms of the quarter. You could have pockets of demand for certain products for a short amount of time, but by and large, there is a sense of the goal is to hold on because this should be a peak season. So to see commodities dropping in price in June or, you know, a lot of your plastics and, and solvents and things really is, um, in my opinion, historically unusual, especially to see things dropping at the rate that they have been this quarter. So, you know, if I think I, I don't think that the second quarter has been usual in that we're not gearing up toward peak July demand to serve, you know, the end of the year Christmas market or something. It's just not there this year. But I also think that the industry, many industries in the world have had a most unusual three and a half years. So, you know, if there, it seems as though, if you know, there was shock and awe in 20 and 21, 22 was more of a, a sense of being overbought and then being oversold. And, you know, so you, you'd get more volatility than expected because the market was testing itself, you know, over and over. And then as we're getting into 23, we did see some usual inventory restocking in the first quarter. And I think that gave a sense of calm of maybe we're back to a regular cycle, but I don't think that the second quarter was as robust as anyone had hoped. And now that we're in the third quarter, the third quarter, in my opinion, typically rides the the crest of the wave that was created in the second quarter. So we're gearing up and it's prime time driving and we're, you know, blowing and going to make all our, you know, widgets and gizmos for the end of the year. It's just not coming through for a lot of markets. So, so that's where I feel as though there's not necessarily a bearish feeling. It's more of a, um, a hopefulness to hold on to what we have right now which I think is certainly possible, but that there's a, I don't hear anyone looking for a robust third quarter. <laughs> yeah. You'd be, you'd be alone in that, uh, in that forecast. I think um, yeah. it's, it's interesting. We, so it's mid July. We're starting to see companies announcing Q2 earnings and all that good stuff for, for public companies. And I think it was BASF that came out there yesterday. And there's a couple interesting things in there and kind of alluding to what you just said, one of which being, you know, they kind of feel that we're at maybe the bottom of, you know, destocking and things like that. So we're at a point now where companies have very low inventories and, and need to buy things. And that trickles into something I think you just said, where, you know, we may be business might be 15 or 20 or 25% slow, but 
the flip side of that is that they're still producing 75% or 80% or 85%. So when we say demand is slow, sure, business is off 20% and that's not a great thing. But there's still 80% of business that needs to be done. People are still buying raw materials. There is still production happening. So it's kind of the, the flip side to it is, you know, the business that is still happening and what the strategy is with that. Some companies we see just chasing, you know, the, the absolute lowest price they can on raw materials and things like that. Some companies, you know, maybe kind of remember companies that helped them out of a hole or whatnot and are okay paying a bit higher of a price to have that security supply partnership and whatnot. So you see kind of different strategies there for the business that is there and, and is happening. And, you know, obviously everyone kind of fighting for maybe that 20% smaller pool, but, you know, still a pool nonetheless that's out there. And it's been interesting seeing, you know, how companies kind of change their strategy now with things being a bit more open and maybe being more of a, a buyer's market. It's been an interesting, uh, interesting couple of months to see how those strategies have shaken out. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. And <clears throat> something that I think if in fact we are in this global race to the bottom for a lot of commodities, one of, I was going to say one of the silver linings for a lot of markets, but you know, what's good for one market is not necessarily good for another, but um, low shipping rates. Yep. So, you know, so we've got really low shipping rates, which as we saw in 2021, ship it, even if you had the best price, you didn't, if you had to ship it. So, you know, that that really got in the way of things for for, you know, quarter after quarter. So now I know we've started to see in polyethylene in the U.S. that we're able to export. And that's something that hadn't really been a factor until, you know, until the shipping rates were right. And if there is a, a global race to the bottom, the U.S. is pretty close. I think Europe is also pretty close. So we're shipping a lot to Asia. Um, we, you know, I, another thing in shipping that I've heard is that in your, in your larger, your typically larger sized cargoes, say like ethylene or propylene, that the cargoes are not the big maximum loads. They're kind of almost half loads, but to your point, it's easy to just go full doom and gloom and there are still cargoes going, yep. you know, there is. So, you know, I, I know particularly in resins or downstream plants where you can turn off a reactor or a train. Sure. That's happening, you know, and that's where you can get down to, you know, 80, 70, 65%. But that is still a lot of material that's flowing around the world. Yeah. And it is still flowing. Right now, like in benzene, the way it's flowing is we're we have a lot of benzene on the way to the U.S. So you know, again, that'll be good for some people, not so great for other people. But you know, it is what it is. And if that signals that the U.S. is poised to bounce out of a bottom, well, so be it. You know, so that's I think that the third quarter is really almost being measured in two week increments you know, for what's, what's hitting the shores, what are we loading and that sort of a thing that the domestic picture is pretty stable, but it's just, again, if you're, you know, to my point earlier of third quarter is usually riding the crest of the wave of the second quarter, the wave wasn't that big, but I think there's still general stability. It's just at 70%, not 105%. Right, right. And so that's, you know, kind of brings us to, I think today, you know, obviously Q2, maybe not 
not the uh, robust Q2 that we've seen in prior years and, and not as big of a wave, as you said, I let that analogy as, uh, as in the past. Um, but that brings us to today. And obviously prior to us recording, we talked a little bit about, you know, we're starting to see some rumblings, whether it's downstream customers or upstream suppliers, kind of slowing down plants, turning off plants. Obviously some companies can do that easier than others. Others are backwards integrated and can't just decide to turn off one day. Um, I know you mentioned you were just traveling a bit and talking to folks. So is that a, a conversation you're hearing more and more of companies looking to scale back plants or even potentially, you know, mothball plants for a while as, as they can, or is, has that, has that been a bigger, bigger discussion point? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's always fascinating to be reminded of how, how closely a lot of the industries are connected to one another. And, you know, that it always starts with the smallest, easiest plants, a lot of plastic processing plants. Well, you know, they're having a heat wave. They could shut for a week or something like that. You can't turn off an integrated chemical complex or an olefins plant. You just can't. Well, we're going to shut it for a week. That doesn't happen. It's a major decision to even switch a feedstock from something that's not really profitable to something profitable. That itself is a big deal. So, so we're not seeing the big units shut, you know, but what we are seeing are, or what I've, what I've heard, you know, many times, especially across Europe, which continues to be a low price, high cost environment, which, you know, so to look at things may not be as rosy as you'd like them to be in your U.S. portfolio. Look at Europe. They're really struggling in a lot of portfolios over there. So uh, my point, though, about the the rate of shutdowns and how everything is related, a lot of the downstream plants are already shut. And it's the upstream ones that are maybe in a turnaround that are not in a hurry to get back or some, you know, a plant that was being modernized or retrofitted. It could come back this month, but why, why rush? You know, um, also something that I've been reading about in in my own newsletter, the Petrochem Wire, from uh, from the plastics side, is that there's um, that when you're re- when you're reducing rates and you're not switching grades as much, you're not at risk at producing as much off grade material. And I wonder if that's true for anybody else that's got any swing capacity. If you're swinging less, you're making almost no off-grade because, the, you know, how, why would you? Sure. How could you? Right. So, so the off-grade market for resins, which is, you know, really, it's, it's not necessarily a support system, but it does fill in a lot of gaps for, um, you know, for demand. It's, um, it, it's not nearly as well stocked as other grades of prime resin, which I think is kind of interesting. But, you know, it just uh, to your point that when when a particular tier of an industry shuts by 20 or 30 percent, it just reminds you that everybody's now going after a smaller pie. And that's if that's where we're at now, I think the thing to watch in the second half of the year is for those larger units to make more drastic decisions. Sure. Is it time to take an economic shutdown for the next two months and take that opportunity to do work that maybe was scheduled for the future? This might be a better time to do that. I don't know of any announcements right now, but that's really one of the things that 
I'd be watching for. I know in the past I've said like, well, I'm going to be watching foreclosures and freight rates. I'm really watching for worldwide announcements, announcements from global companies. So not just the U.S., although that's my, you know, my main focus, but looking all over the world of what's being slow rolled, what's being shut or rationalized. And uh, and really taking our cue for the second half in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be uh, it'll be interesting to track for sure. Um, getting into some of the stuff you you know obviously spend a lot of time looking at and, and analyzing um, energy prices. Obviously, both crude and uh, and natural gas have I think been relatively flat um, throughout Q two. I guess maybe the beginning part came off and then now have been flat kind of recently. Um, but we can start yeah. with, start with either you'd like, what are you, what are you seeing on the, the energies front? Well, I mean, I think to your point that we're, we're well into the driving season. So, you know, refining economics are what they are and we're not near the end. So demand is really mid cycle right now. One thing I will say about gasoline is that, um, a trend that is it's certainly nothing new, but a trend that we've seen really ramp up over this year has been the increased use of certain chemicals as gasoline blend stocks. And again, that's just owing to what's the lowest price. In a lot of markets, it's the chemical being, you know, toluene or xylene or uh, ethyl benzene has been in use as a gasoline blend stock, cumene. And these are not typical gasoline blend stocks, ethyl benzene or cumene. But if there's a limited demand for say the phenolic resin chain. Well, what are you doing with all this cumene? If you're able to sell that to the gasoline pool, good for you and good for the gasoline pool, you know, sure. price-wise. Right. That uh that the demand has shifted in a measurable way. And that's something that again, you know, just coming back from a European conference, that was definitely that, that was my icebreaker conversationally. You know, if you don't know people, I'm like, how about those gasoline blend stocks? Everybody's <laughs> like, yeah, thank God. That's a heck of a way to start a conversation. I don't need to bring God into this, but you know, there was a, a I mean, to, to convey relief, sure. but, you know, without that demand, it, it, for aromatics, it might've been a much more grim quarter for the sell side. And that trickles down into, you know, other markets. And maybe there would have been rationalizations that, we didn't see because that gasoline pull was a pretty strong demand pull. And, um, you know, and again, all, all forms of transportation fuel are pretty strong this year. And I don't know if there is a direct correlation to the lackluster demand in finished goods. Maybe Christmas will be small because we all went to Europe this year in the States. I mean, I knew easily a dozen people that went to Europe, including myself, you know, that this was really a a travel year for a lot of people. Um, And, you know, for most of us with, without unlimited incomes, you have to choose. So is it a big Christmas or a big summer? So, you know, we, we did see a lot of travel. um, And of course that really boosts the transportation fuels markets, but, and, you know, in turn, gasoline blend stocks, because it is that RVP season in which toluene xylene is very popular. And like I say, the use of ethyl benzene and cumene, it's um, certainly not unheard of, but it was notable in how strong it was. So, um, you know, it, it just reminds you of how 
connected refining is to petrochemistry sometimes that we're, you know, you can look at the fuels and think, yeah, okay, you know, but, um, and think of, think of fuels as the thing that helps you transport your chemicals to your customer. But really sometimes the fuel can be your demand source for the chemical itself. Right. Yeah, that was an interesting point too. I think we saw like you see reports about the U.S. economy and and uh, inflation and GDP and all that stuff. And sure, GDP is on the rise, but you look at the difference between the the service sector and transportation versus goods and industrial production and things like that. There's a big gap. Obviously, all folks are spending money on traveling and doing the travel that they couldn't for the last three or four years, rather than repainting their garage because you know you can get out of the house and do stuff like that. So it's right. people are spending money, just spending money differently. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think that's exactly right. That the latest statistics in the PPI, right. The producer pricing index was that um, it was, it was up slightly, but it was because services were up, yeah. not good. Right. right. You know, so it's, um, it is an interesting shift, but you know, of course the other thing that I think, I think that, yeah, I've been watching it most of my career, but in the, in the past, Two and a half years watching the European natural gas price has become a thing, I think, for the whole world. So watching the cost of power and natural gas in Europe, you know, at some point, you know, when it's hundreds of dollars, that was it was quite dramatic. And now it's, you know, it's it's down to I want to say 11 or 12 dollars on a dollar per, you know, uh, MMBTU equivalent. But. The natural gas here is two dollars and sixty-five cents. So, you know, in a relative sense, the U.S. is still a low-cost producer in um in in the real broad areas such as energy. But you know, in in other markets, like you know, like I was saying with benzene, we've we've got benzene coming from Asia, but we're sending polyethylene to Asia. So, the interconnectedness seems like it could be more important this quarter than in a more diverse quarter because demand is so precious right now. So you're chasing it wherever you can. And if if the U.S. can find pockets of demand in Latin America and Asia, that could make the quarter, you know, and, and I don't know anybody who's giving a forecast for really the rest of the year. It's uh, a lot of just-in-time stuff. Yep, yep. Uh, well, I guess moving into some of these derivatives, obviously, I think maybe we can talk about benzene first. I know when we recorded in April, um, you know, benzene rates were in the 360 range, and I think they're most recently just just below three dollars. So whatever that is, a 20 percent decrease yeah. or so. Yeah, 290, I think, was uh, the latest contract. That, that, yeah, I mean, I think that I think that there is um, a softening, but I don't see that there's a dramatic dive. I do, I don't know, to characterize it, you know, I always bring them back to the human beings. The human beings that I've talked to in a lot of markets, such as benzene, they're not in a panic. They're mildly depressed. They're like, it's really not going the way I thought it would. I was hoping it would go better. I'm not shocked, but nobody is panicking. Nobody's going out of business. You know, so there's there's really a, a sense of, you know, Kind of maybe the way you feel when it is 92 degrees out and the humidity is really high. You're just like, Ugh, <laughs> you know, when is this going to be over already? Yep. So, you know, I feel like the trend is a little bit um, it's wearing on people, but it's it's not I, I don't see 
a lot of drama. I don't see a lot of volatility. It's a drifting down for some. And even like I say, you know, I keep talking about you know, polyethylene exports that that's encouraging for people that are in that market and want the ability to export, but nobody's going to town going, this is it. Like they're going, hopefully this lasts for a quarter. Sure. Right, <laughs> so right. and it, um, I, I feel as though in a larger sense that, you know, we've, we've got, we've got such a hangover from the past three years that no, you know, no one's really rushing to judgment in the present, but there is that shift in my opinion of the end of the four, first quarter was a little bit more hopeful than what's played out. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. I think Rob, Rob called it a, a slow burn. You talk about stuff being slower and using the word recession and things like that. I think people think back to 08 where everything fell off a cliff overnight. Obviously we, you know, things are slow right. and things are moving in that direction, but it's not a drastic you know, fall off a cliff. And that's, I think people, people hear recession. I think that's what people think of. And that's not, you know, obviously how things have been. It's been kind of a slow trickle down and maybe a slow trickle back up, but you know, eventually what, what goes down must come back up and just matter how long that yeah. takes. No, that's true. We we've all lived through way more volatile times, but one thing that is, um, I think an encouraging fundamental, although it's, um, it's related to expectations of disaster is hurricane building, you know, that, I mean, this, there is that, that uh, certain markets are seeing a little bit of demand from that, that, uh, that the storm season doesn't appear to be too volatile, but you never know. And once it gets churning, we've had years where it looks like it's going to be mild. Then you have storm one, storm two, storm three, all hitting the same trajectory meanwhile you know, I think that, people uh, are still probably working on last hurricane season trying to rebuild and whatnot i'm you know it's a it's a consistent absolutely. cycle yeah you know so um so i do think that you know we didn't have any dramatic weather in the winter as we have had in the past but you know we'll see where it goes with with the hurricane season yeah propylene's been another interesting one obviously when we recorded in april things were much higher and I think at the time propylene was trending upwards in a time where nobody was predicting it to do so. And then has, uh, has come off significantly since then. Um, so what have you seen with, uh, with propylene and what are your expectations there? Well, as I recall at the time, I believe I would say I attributed the, uh, the uptick to supply driven demand, which is not the same as demand driven demand. Sure. So. You'll, you'll forgive my co-host here. No, huh? the more the merrier. Oh, yeah. We have a very needy little co-host. Hi. <laughs> anyway, um, it's better than him barking, right? Um, wait till I bring him up to James. Please do. Please do. The more the merrier. He's small. Um, but anyway, I do think that that was exactly what was born out, was that we had a supply side pull. And that's, you know, wasn't sustainable, for you know, really. So when you look at where true demand is, that's where those downstream markets, it's almost like they're, you're seeing everybody's true colors right now, you know? So propylene is not an unprofitable product, but it's also, it's not saving the day for anybody's book. And I think that uh, on, a, on a worldwide level, it's, it's really not 
you don't see a lot of it flying around the world to one destination in need, you know, and that's true with polypropylene as well. Unlike polyethylene, polypropylene is, is not being exported from this country and we're trying to stave off imports, you know, so it's really more of a, more of a, a tenuous or tentative sort of balance of let's just try to hold on to what we have because it's not bad, but we're not expecting any great gains over the next few months. Sure. Unless there's a hurricane. Right. Which the way the last couple of years have been, I mean, there's, there's got to be, I'm sure, a couple storms that'll make headlines. So we're, we're coming into that season and see what yeah. happens there. Um, so it sounds like, obviously, we talked about polyethylene a bit. It sounds like that's uh, one of the more exciting ones these days. Obviously, you have the big ethylene map uh, right behind you for anyone that's watching on the video version. That's right. Um, so what's, you know, I know we've talked about it a bit, but anything else happening with, uh, with ethylene and polyethylene these days? Well, you know, I do think that that ethylene itself, because there there are so many projects and you know and, and expansions and, and new plants that have come on that there's automatically you know you you do have an overhang until until the world demand can catch up to your unit and that that's happening around the world there's no you know real big new units in Europe but you know whenever a world scale operation begins it does create length in the market inherently because you can't run it at 20% and ratchet it up as the world, you know, demand catches up to you. So I do think that 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 trend in in a very large sense for US ethylene has really kept it not that volatile. It has really kept it pretty steady because there is material. There is material available and that's where I think, you know, prices can drift up to 20 or 22 and down to 17 or 16, but it's not the wild swings that we've seen, you know, in, in the, in past history where, you know, you're swinging up from 30 to 50 and oh my goodness, what's happening and back down to 40. And then we're at 20. I mean, I, I think those days are gone for us ethylene for a while because there is so much material. So until, you know, until the market works off that fundamental length as the world catches up to the projects that are or the the plants that are online i think that that gives ethylene a real stability and therefore as a low priced base product you know i mean ethylene is the bottom line for for so many things you know glycols and lots of you know solvents as well as lots of resins that it's been a pretty decent shock absorber so that you know if ethylene glycol prices are down, it's not affecting ethylene immediately. Right. You know, so that it's been, um, I think that that's, um, you know, it's just been a story of margin compression, but the ethylene was not saving anybody's day to begin with. So I think that's where that's at, where I think that um, the propylene is fundamentally more volatile because there's far less of it being produced. So when you, when you have, and that's you know what we were talking about with supply supply driven demand that when a plant goes down there is a panic and it's almost immediate even just news that someone's going to have to shut down next week will send the market up a few cents immediately 
And that really doesn't happen in ethylene because there are a lot more production. There are a lot more plants and it becomes baked in pretty easily. Oh, it looks like so-and-so is not up. All right, better go over there. Right. So, you know, and, and that's where, if anything, you know, the biggest fundamental change that I've personally seen in ethylene is that Texas has become the more volatile market compared to Louisiana because of the export situation. So export trends are directly affecting what's happening in the Texas storage wells. Louisiana doesn't have that. So it's been, uh, Louisiana has been at a discount to Texas, which for many years was not the case, but it has been the past couple of years. And there's not as much volatility. But, you know, again, in, when I say volatility in Texas ethylene, you're talking a few cents here or there, which is big, but is not the volatility that, that we've seen in other markets. Right. You know, like we're talking about European natural gas, you know, when it drops from an equivalent of $40 to $11, that's a big deal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, the last one we have on our list is, uh, is styrene. Anything, uh, anything exciting happening in styrene? I think that styrene globally is is a challenging market in general. And I think that um, in the U.S., there's not nearly as much production of styrene or polystyrene as there are of the other resin chains. So my understanding is that, you know, if you have a, a handful of styrene plants, one could shut down. Like it's my understanding, one might be shut down now and it really doesn't move the needle much, you know? So I think that the, um, I think that the polystyrene part of it, again, like other resins, prices have dropped during the quarter and that's unusual, but polystyrene is usually one of the more high value products. But I think that a lot of its uses saw you know, saw quite a nice uptick during the DIY home remodeling craze sure. and that, you know, you're, you're not seeing that demand now. And maybe so, you know, maybe it it created a little bit more volatility that would have otherwise been smoother if there was not a big boom in redoing your kitchen across the, you know, the world. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think that fundamentally the margins are are still there for polystyrene. Uh, the margin for styrene, you know, tends to fluctuate. And right now it's it's obviously improved a little bit because styrene's been essentially steady in the um, you know, I think it's it's dropped from the mid to low 50s down to the mid 40s, you know, uh cents per pound. So it's not it's not a drastic drop, but you know. The more volatile one is the benzene. So right now, that the uh, the lack of styrene interest in benzene maybe has contributed to benzene easing a little bit, and that does styrene some good. And then you know, and then we can maybe you know get back to um, a more usual rhythm for the rest of the quarter. But you know, right now, I just I don't I don't see that styrene is one of the happier stories right now but like a lot of markets it's steady as she goes we've been better we've been worse yeah kind yep. of market makes sense makes sense 
Um, so I think we've covered kind of all the specifics. You know, obviously, I know we talked a little bit about what we saw in Q2 and kind of what we're seeing today. Um, obviously, you mentioned keeping an eye on plant shutdowns and maintenance and maybe extended you know, times for plants to be down and things like that for the second half of the year. Um, any other expectations or thoughts or things you're keeping an eye on for Q3 or things that folks should keep an eye on for, uh, you know, downstream demand and production or whatnot with some of these raw materials? What are your, uh, what are your hot points for, uh, for Q3? No pun intended well, with the temperature. Made, down you there. mentioned earlier that we are about a week away from all the earnings coming out from the quarter. Those will be interesting, of course, but you know, more than, more than usual, I'll be listening to the Q and A's. You know, at some quarters go by, you look at the headline, you're like, that's cool. The bullet points. Okay. The Q and A's, <laughs> they would, they are inherently the comments that are not, not necessarily prepared. Sure. They're, if they're prepared, they're not being highlighted in the earnings review. So the Q and A really from the uh, analyst community, they could be quite revealing. And I think that this is going to be one earnings season to watch what is revealed about the quarters to come. And I think that there, I wouldn't say that, that there's confusion in the market, but I think you might have differing, uh, differing opinions on what the, uh, what the trend will be and what rate it will be. You know, that one company may say, we think the third quarter is going to come, you know, come in here. And another company might say, we think that same trend is actually going to be elongated over the next two quarters. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. So that's one thing I'm watching is the earnings call more than ever. And the other thing really is keeping an eye on freight rates and keeping an eye on the news for, you know, when, when a, a plant will shut down for a couple of days or have a blip, it's not necessarily in the news, but when a site has, you know, and that's where, again, in your earnings calls, if it hasn't been in the news, it gets called out then. So to, to see where we are with the major petrochemical sites in every region, but particularly here, will be a really good indicator of the feelings going into the, the rest of the year. Because in, in a lot of markets, the general kind of throwaway comment is, I think the year is over. Well, it's only July. So, you know, but it's, um, I just think that in general, we'll see how over the year really is. Because again, if we're looking at past years, sometimes we're all on a meh mood and we realize we're actually in an overbought market. And now we've, we've got to have, you know, we've got to have an uptick to correct that. So we'll see if there's a correction ahead for us that is not really apparent right now, but watching the freight rates and watching the news of, of plans for plant operations around the world, I think will be really key. Yeah. It's a good point. Kind of digging more into those, those uh, year end reports. I think there'll be a lot of the same, you know, it's a matter of just how down people are, whether it's 10%, 20%, that's that, you know, those, those headlines will also all be probably pretty similar, but that's a great point. Seeing how fast people think, you know, markets will come back, um, how different companies react to different things. I think that's interesting. The, the freight part's definitely interesting as well. We just did our kind of internal July episode and um, talked about freight as well. And, and, and freight's kind of one of these things that was a big concern. You know, we were having freight rates with fuel surcharges added because the surcharges were so volatile. And, you know, it feels like over the last couple of months, freight's almost not a concern anymore. We don't really talk about it much. We're back to getting kind of all in quotes that are good for the month and it's not a huge concern and whatnot. Capacity is pretty good. So 
the freight piece is interesting. It'll be interesting to see how much that's talked about because um, it certainly feels like less and less of a uh, talking point as much as it was, you know, obviously during COVID when everyone was trying to move everything. Right. And um, yeah. And again, you know, it, if you're in a, I don't know, if you're in a, a general market mood where you're gauging opinions every few weeks, freight can be the difference some of those weeks. Sure. It just sure. creates an opportunity that can really change your month. Yep. So yeah, that'll, that'll be really interesting. I really feel more than ever, you know, I think at some point, possibly during the pandemic, we were talking about, you know, feeling like you're in a time warp, right. You know, that it's been 10 years all at once, or has it only been 10 minutes, you know, that, that the concept of time. And I feel like the, the concept of time right now is, is really very much a week by week information resetting. And that's where we are this week. And this is, this means this is where we think we'll be next month. So this quarter, it's got to be really difficult to give an expectation for any public company on what the next quarter is going to look like, because I think so far the second quarter is borne out and the third quarter is bearing out. We're doing month to month type of uh, adjustments to all of our businesses. Yeah. I'm happy I don't have to give one of those Q3 forecasts and have folks, you know, placing investment advice on what I'm saying in these forecasts. I, I give anyone credit for attempting to do that. It'll be interesting to see how those shake out. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Kathy, as so, always, it was great talking to you. Hopefully, uh, you know, Q4. So what's that? November, October, November, October, November, December. So hopefully early October, maybe we'll see you here in person. Still a beautiful time in, in Rhode Island. Um, absolutely. Yes. I will. Uh, I will plan things better around here and I will hopefully see you be sitting next to you for the October edition. And we'll see how that quarter really went what's ahead for us then yeah excellent well we appreciate it we look forward to seeing you again in person thank you again for the time as always great to talk to you and uh, we will talk to you here in a couple months all right take care thanks kathy the material contained on this podcast is provided by the chemical company solely for informational purposes the information is not guaranteed to be correct complete or up to date the information in the podcast is intended solely as a general education aid tcc is providing this podcast as a public service but it is neither a legal interpretation nor a statement of tcc policy reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by tcc the views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by TCC employees are those of the employees and do not necessarily reflect the view of TCC or any of its officials. All statements, comments, and opinions presented are made in the context of robust dialogue and freedom of expression. TCC assumes no responsibility for any consequence relating directly or indirectly to any action or inaction taken based on the information in this podcast. While TCC strives to keep the information in the podcast accurate, complete, and up-to-date, we cannot guarantee and will not be responsible for any damage or loss related to the accuracy, completeness, or timeliness of the information. TCC assumes no liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. The information contained on the podcast is provided entirely on an as-is basis with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness.